I like hearing those, uh, that quartet sing. I enjoy that. I like a men's quartet. I'll be honest with you. I enjoy that. I like when our ladies sing too and when our choir sings. I like it all. But there's something about men's voices. I don't know what it is. I enjoy it. And they do a fabulous job. And uh, boy, we're glad about that. they glad they do a good job, not a bad job. But anyway, okay. All right, so nonetheless, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Wow, okay, tough crowd. Okay, you asked for it then. All right, okay, I'm bringing it on. You guys don't want to laugh. You don't want to enjoy yourself. So I'm going to have to break the ice. Clyde knows what I'm going to talk about today a little bit, don't you, Clyde? Yeah, and you liked it, I know. I, I see you guys over there, yeah. Yeah, they know. They were in singles class. So I guess I'm going to have to break the ice. Farmer Evans, he was driving his John Deere tractor along the road, and he had a trailer load of fertilizer. Tim, this little boy about eight years old, was playing in the yard when he saw the farmer, and he asked him, he said, what do you got in your trailer? He said, well, I got manure. What are you going to do with that? I'm going to put it on the strawberry. Little Tim, he said, well, you ought to come and eat with us. We put ice cream on our strawberries. There you go. See, they like it too. Okay, so here's some technical terms and what they mean to farmers. Log on when you want to make the homestead warmer. Log off. Timber! Then there's megahertz. When you're not careful getting firewood. Then there's laptop, where the cat sleeps. There's the hard drive, that's maneuvering through the rocky fields on the northern range when there's snow on the ground. Then there's windows, that's what you shut when it's cold outside. Then there's bite, you know, megabyte, that's what mosquitoes do. Modem. It's what I did to the hay fields. <laughs> Modem. <laughs> and keyboard. Where the keys hang. You know, keyboard. Are you loosening up? <laughs> and then, of course, there's the mouse. That's critters you, that eat grain in your barn. Yeah, see? Now, see, don't you feel more like getting some preaching now? Yeah, I can tell. Everybody's in a lot better spirits now. Ready to go. That's good. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I don't necessarily have a specific or just something specifically outlined for 29 years, but I do have a, a, just a thought that I think will be a help as we go forward, as we move ahead. Um, Galatians 6, 9, what a powerful passage this is. 
again, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I suppose if there's one thing that I think more about now than I used to, it would be the fact of wanting to finish strong. I, um, I have spent a lifetime, it seems, trying to do the work of the Lord the best I know how. And, um, you know, the temptation is to grow weary in well-doing. The temptation is to say, well, I've done my part. I mean, if I was working a secular job, I'd be retiring now. I'd have 30 years in soon, and it'd be time to give up the ghost and relax and take it easy and enjoy my retirement. But I'm going to be honest with you. In the ministry, I don't think I feel that way. I don't feel the need to retire. I just, um, you know, I, I don't want to outlive my effectiveness, but I don't want to just throw in the towel either. I don't want to just say, well, let the young people do it. No, I think we need older people still doing it. And I think we, they need the leadership that comes through experience. Too many times I'm watching as pastors have the same goals as those in the secular world, and it's bothering me a little bit. I don't think as a pastor we ought to have the desire to say, well, I can't wait until I reach 62 or 65 or 67 so I can retire. You might as well retire now if that's how you feel. And uh, I just think it's important that we don't get weary in well-doing. Hey, listen, if I worked a secular job, I'd be ready to retire. My dad retired at 59 years old. Man, I'll tell you what, good for him. I'm fine with that. And then he went to Bible college. Can you imagine that? Bible college at 59? Actually, he was 60 by the time he went to Bible college. Isn't that something? He was the oldest Bible college student there. And he was the oldest one ever, I think. <laughs> but he got through it. He graduated, amen? Isn't that good? So, I mean, retiring in that sense doesn't mean you give up and, and stop working or serving the Lord. That's not what it means. But, man, in the ministry, I mean, how do you not do the ministry? If today I wasn't pastoring Community Baptist Temple, I'd be serving in a church somewhere. I'd be doing something. I, whether it be a bus captain or driving a bus, or I'd definitely be, you know, doing whatever I possibly could. I'd probably try to do a special here and there or sing in the choir and do all that mess. I'd, I'd want to be involved. I'd be out knocking doors. I'd be visiting, doing the things that I do now. I did those before I was paid, and I'd do them again when I'm no longer paid. It's just what we do, right? But the ministry... And so, yeah, as a pastor, you know, I'm in, quote, full-time ministry, but we're all really full-time. So whether or not you retire from a secular job or not, you're still in the ministry, and it's not time to put the brakes on for Jesus. Man, if anything, utilize that time wisely and serve the Lord. And I would like to see... I, I, I would like to believe that every pastor that has to step down because of health or possibly because of, of just uh, uh, aging, wouldn't just give up, quit. He's sad. Can you imagine a pastor that's preached soul winning his whole life that could go not going? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that message, what that would say to people who followed his ministry? Can you imagine that? 
a pastor that said, you ought to be in church every time the doors are open, but once he retires, he doesn't show up. He just comes on Sunday mornings. Wouldn't that be a bad thing? It'd be a horrible thing. Hey, listen, we can't get weary in well-doing. I want to finish strong. I may not finish strong in the pulpit. I may not be a pastor my every living day. But I want to be involved in the work of the Lord. I want to, I want to be doing something for Jesus. I, I, I tell the guys all the time, I won't care if Josh was pastoring Community Baptist Temple or if Steve was pastoring Community Baptist Temple or, or if Joe Schmo was pastoring. Joe Vladicek was pastoring Community Baptist Temple. I... <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I saw you kind of go. I'd be serving the Lord, you know. I'd be like, what do you need me to do, preacher? Well, for two out of three. But anyway, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to be doing something, though. I'd be doing something. Well, anyway, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You say, boy, I'll tell you what, wow, you got a good attitude about that finishing strong. Well, why wouldn't I? Because I'm going to reap if I don't faint. It's, I mean, really, in a way, it's kind of selfish maybe, isn't it? I mean, the Bible's making it pretty clear that if I'll stay faithful and consistent and constantly and continually serve the Lord, then it's going to be in my own best interest. So there's kind of a dual-edged sword there, right? Not only is it best for the brethren, not only is it best for the cause of Christ, but it's best for me. Nothing wrong with that when everybody's getting in on it. It's good. On August the 6th, I'll tell you what, let's pray first, and then I'm going to tell you a little story. Father, we come to you, we ask, Lord, that you just bless us. We desperately need you. Father, guide us today. Thank you for these that have come tonight. And Lord, may our hearts just be encouraged. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know uh, exactly how things will turn out tonight, but what I do know is that you want people to know your word and you want them to get to know you better. Help us, Lord, just to make up our minds, just to keep on going for you, not to give up, not to quit, not to turn left or right, to simply stay on the straight and narrow. God, help us to not grow weary in well-doing but to stay consistent and faithful. We love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> On August the 6th, 1999, a Major League Baseball player stepped up to home plate in Montreal and made another out. It was his 5,113th out in his professional career. That's a lot of trips to the batter's box without a hit, isn't it? I mean, a lot. And if a player made all those outs consecutively, they would have had to literally spend four times at bat per game for eight full seasons. That's 1,278 straight games without ever reaching first base. you got to ask yourself, was that player discouraged that night? No, he wasn't discouraged at all. You see, earlier in the game, in his first plate appearance, 
That player had reached a milestone that only 21 other players in the history of baseball had ever achieved. He had made his 3,000th hit. That player was Tony Gwynn of the San Diego Padres. During that game, Tony got on base with hits four times in five tries. But that's not the norm for him. Usually he fails to get a hit two times out of every three attempts. Think about that. Those results may sound rather um, not very encouraging, to say the least, right? I mean, he only gets on base one out of every three. But if you know anything about baseball, you realize that Tony's ability to succeed consistently only one in three tries makes him one of the greatest hitters of his generation. That's batting 333 for a career. And Tony recognized, recognizes that to get his hits, he has to make a lot of outs too. One of the greatest problems that we have that we have with failure is that we're too quick to judge isolated situations in our lives and label them as failures. Instead, we need to keep the bigger picture in mind. I mean, here's Tony. He's stepping up to the plate and he's averaging two times out at the plate for every one time he gets on base. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like that great of odds to me. I don't like that. I want to I get on base more. I'd like to be the four out of five. But we are so awfully quick to fail at something or perceive ourselves as failing and ultimately label ourselves as failures. See, somebody like Tony Gwynn, he doesn't look at an out and... and, and And it doesn't make him think of failure. That's not what it makes him think of. He sees within the context of the bigger picture. As an inventor, Edison made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts at inventing the light bulb. When a reporter asked him, how did it feel to fail 1,000 times? Edison said, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Isn't that something? The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. See, that kind of perspective leads to perseverance. That kind of perseverance brings longevity. That kind of longevity gives opportunity for success, provides opportunity for success. We get too discouraged too quickly. The Lord reminds us to maintain a similar mindset. To have kind of a Tony Gwynn mentality or outlook. To have an Edison perspective, if you will. Look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. No one that has ever succeeded in life or in the Christian life has ever gotten through it without failures. But that doesn't necessarily define them as a failure. 
Have you messed up lately? If you have, welcome to the human race. But fortunately, we have a God that is a graceful God. A gracious God. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says, we need to maintain a similar mindset. This this Edison perspective. This Tony Gwynn outlook. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Keep going for God. Don't quit. You may make mistakes and you may stumble from time to time, but do not allow yourself to somehow give up thinking that you're just a waste of oxygen. Oh, I knocked at that door and I tried that soul winning and man, they, I got up there and when I came time to start sharing the gospel, I fell to pieces. Well, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, even that is a positive step if you allow it to be. If you have an Edison perspective, then you can just say, well, that's just one more step to greatness. How many times did Edison fail before he finally succeeded? How many times did Tony Gwynn strike out before he finally got the award that he probably never thought he'd ever achieve? How many times have you failed in your Christian life? How many times have I failed? The difference is whether or not we get back up and keep going. The difference is whether or not we will see that as a stepping stone to success or if we'll see it as a stumbling block to failure. This is not a modern psychology class. But let me tell you something. Biblical truth is as prevalent and as practical as any truth you'll find on earth. Keep at it. Don't stay down when you stumble. Get back up and keep going for God. When the devil plants seeds of discouragement in your life, reject them. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Reject them. You're a terrible mother. Really? Maybe you can tell yourself that enough times and it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Just go ahead and keep telling yourself that. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible mom. You know what you'll be? A terrible mom. You'll talk yourself into it. Be careful with these things. 2 Corinthians 10. Notice again, when the devil plants seeds of discouragement in your life, reject them. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Boy, our thoughts can run amok. They can really get us down. And there comes a point in our lives where we have to take charge of our thoughts. It's not somebody else's job to control your thought life. It is your job. It's my job to do that. And stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself more. And you say, what do you mean? Well, 
The promises of God are true every single time. And you need to start telling yourself those promises and those truths. Instead of restating or reshaping the lies that Satan's told you about yourself. Is there anybody that's never messed up at work? Of course, we've all made mistakes at work. Does that make you a bad employee? Only if you continue to repeat the same mistakes. But if you learn and you grow by it, then you become a good employee. Possibly a great one. Have you messed up as a husband? You've made some mistakes. You've stumbled and fallen. You've done some dumb things along the way. Well, maybe, but don't keep making the same mistake and quit telling yourself you're stupid and you're dumb. Man, I used to, I go around the house all the time, you're so stupid. I decided to stop saying that because I'm starting to believe it. (laughs) Hey, listen, you tell yourself something enough, you'll start to believe your own lies. Does you think that God wants me to go around the house going, you're so stupid, to myself? You think he wants me to do that? No, he doesn't want me to do that. Why? Because I'm exactly what God wants me to be in that sense, and especially as I'm seeking to follow his will and his ways. Man, he doesn't want me to be a failure. He's not trying to set me up for failure. He wants me to succeed. He's given me a mind and he's given me the opportunity to, to do what he's called me to do. And man, that's not, I may mess up and I may forget things and I may not do everything the way I ought to do, but I'm not often the way I perceive myself. And neither are you. you see, God sees you totally different than you do then. That's the Gideon concept. Or possibly that's the, the children of Israel the spies go into the land, remember? And they come back and say, we're as grasshoppers in their sight. How do you know what they're thinking? You obviously are thinking that about yourselves in comparison to those armies and those, those, uh, uh, the enemy on the other side of the flood or the other side of the Jordan. God didn't tell you that. You're telling yourself that. God said you're more than conquerors. God said you're going to go over and take that land because he's already given it to you. But you say, well, we're grasshoppers in their sight. God's promises are true. We too often listen to our own self-destructive prophecies. And those prophecies are self-fulfilling. Keep your eyes on Jesus and exercise faith in him. Look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. We touched on this idea of faith this morning and faithfulness. And notice that word faith pops up again in Matthew 17, verse 14. Matthew 17, 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he faileth, falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked 
the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Twenty-nine years ago, I still remember warring in my mind, what in the world will we have to offer people that come to this church? All there is, is me. I'll stand up there and preach. I'll stand up there and sing. I'll stand up there and give announcements. I'll stand, we don't have a Sunday school. We don't have anything for people. We don't have nothing for a family. All we have is a preacher and a calling. And I remember thinking, there's no way anyone's going to want to come to Community Baptist Temple and meet in a little uh, renovated garage in the Lake Senior Center. I would get excited, and then all of a sudden, I would start going back down a little bit. And the Lord finally said, what is your problem? I have called you, and if I have called you, I have called a people. You don't need to worry about competing with others. You're not competing with anyone else. You're simply obeying. And the Lord had to set me straight on a few things. And I realized then that I would have and I would be able to provide everything needed in the lives of people that showed up at that church because God had equipped me and prepared me for that job. What is it that God's called you to do that sometimes, or maybe more than not, you feel inadequate to do? And yet you know this is where you belong. You know you should be doing it, but you don't feel like you can or you feel like you're not good enough. What is it? Is it a lack of faith on your part? Is it that you doubt yourself or you doubt the God that called you? Well, God didn't really put me there, you know, you or, or one of the staff uh, came and asked if I would help. And you don't think God's in that? We definitely need to train and we need to prepare people and do our best to try to equip. But in the end, if we're failing to cast out the devil, so to speak, maybe it might be our faithlessness. Because it's certainly not God lacking power. The possibilities are endless when faith is engaged. They're, 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 they're endless. He said you could take that mountain and it, you could remove it. Cast it into the sea. What mountain stands between you and what God's called you to accomplish? Cast it out of the way by faith. Be not weary in well-doing. He tells us to be very careful. Let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't give up now. Don't quit now. Don't talk yourself out of the victory. Don't do it. 29 years we've been at this. Say, oh, you're turning 60 years old soon. Yeah, you're getting old, preacher. 
Time to hang up the spurs. Yeah, I mean, hey. And, and you know what? If, and and I, I, don't, I don't, the devil's not been nailing me on this one yet, but, but I mean, I can see the devil coming along to some of these older guys, maybe some of you even, and going, well, your time's up. Who says? Who says my time's up? Is it God or is it the devil? Is it God or is it just me feeling inadequate, insecure? Who says it's my, my time's up? We have to be conscious of that, and we need to really seek the face of the Lord and know what He's saying, not what we're saying to ourselves or what even the devil's saying. The Lord's saying, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And there are times you get tired. I tell you, the older you get, you do feel a little bit more weary than before. Stress seems to weigh on you a different way than it used to. It affects your body differently. It affects you. I get all that. But that's his business. Let's not talk ourselves out of the victory. Philippians 4.13, you know it by heart probably. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Man, that's a really tremendous promise. But from that passage, we notice something a little interesting, too. Our can-dos are conditional. I can do all things, here's the condition, through Christ. If I exclude Christ, then I'm probably not quite capable of doing all things. Even those things he's called me to do if I exclude Him. But they are possible through Him. I marvel as I look across the room and I think about some of the men and women that have aged along with me through the years and how they still continue to serve the Lord. Some in maybe a little different capacity, but still continuing to serve Christ faithfully faithfully coming to God's house, faithfully being involved in as much as they possibly can. And I think to myself, I want to be there one day. I don't want to quit before the time. And as a church, we can't quit. We can't do it. We can never forget that God hasn't given up on us. Therefore, we can't give up on ourselves. we got a great work to do. It's a grand work indeed, no doubt about it. We are to preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says that Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we've been called to do that as a church. I've been called to do that as an individual being a part of the church too, and so have you. We all have the responsibility of reaching the world, and guess what? It's a lot easier to reach the world when we get together as a local church and strive to do so together. Amen. 
The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. When the, 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 the God of this world starts to tell us that that's impossible, it's never going to happen, we need to say, you know what? We got God's word on it. We're going to keep striving and we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep going and we're not going to get weary in well-doing. Matter of fact, we have him with us always, even unto the end of the world. Reaching the world is not an easy task, is it? Reaching just our families is not an easy task. Just our community, just our city, just our county or our, our, our state or our country, that's not an easy task. We can't quit. He tells us, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 29 years sounds like a long time, but as you grow a little older, some of you younger people and some of you young couples, you're going to realize that that 29 years goes like that. It is gone before you can blink. I mean, you look back on your life and you think, wow, where did it go? I told my wife I was watching an old movie. Well, no, what was it I was thinking about? It was an old movie, either it was an old Western or... But I was watching people and I thought to myself, or I was talking to my son maybe, I can't remember now. I'm, see, 29 years. <laughs> and I remember saying, I think it was to Josh, I think I said... You know, it's hard to look at these people as they look today and even imagine what they were years ago in their day. I mean, you think about it, you look at the most, you know, spry and strong and healthy 20-year-old man. And that 85-year-old fellow over there that can hardly walk was that 20-year-old man one day, years ago. That's hard to wrap your mind around. It's almost sad to me as I see this stuff. As I get older, I kind of lament those days, right? You say, oh, all you old people, all you do is talk about the past. Can I tell you why? Because that's when we felt the best. It's the only thing we can remember. <laughs> we got a big job to do here at Community Baptist Temple. But it, it takes a concerted effort. A cooperative effort. It's not going to be accomplished with one or two or ten people. We've all got to come together, strive together to make it work. To reach the world with the gospel. And the devil's good at trying to pick out the weak links and tell them that they're good for nothing. Oh, you, you, you might as well not even help because you wouldn't help at all anyway. You'd mess it all up. You'd just mess it all up. That's a lie from the devil. Don't believe that. Don't buy into that lie and stop repeating it to yourself. Instead, step up to the plate and start talking to yourself. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 
That's the kind of talk I'm talking about. Talk to yourself. Share those precious promises with yourself. Remind yourself over and over again who and what you are, a saint and faithful. And then act like it. Live like it. And let God use you. And as he uses all of us as individuals, our church will be able to accomplish what God's called us to do. We'll see miracles abounding as we all put our shoulder to the plow. and We watch God bring forth fruit hundredfold. May God bless you. May he bless Community Baptist Temple. As we go forward in the work of Christ, nothing's changed in the calling. It's still the exact same calling it was 29 years ago. Nothing's changed. It's still the same calling. Requires the same effort, same work. Let's not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for 29 years. Lord, there have been some ups and downs, but Lord, honestly, there have been a lot more ups than downs. We cannot thank you enough for the many blessings you've bestowed upon us as we consider just going from a senior center to a Canton Road location to purchasing an annex, buying a house, having one given to us, then selling it all off except for the annex, moving right on up here to the carousel dinner theater, making it our new home, Community Baptist. Lord, so many blessings. As we have seen thousands of people come to Christ through the years, have we seen so many touched by the work of this miracle, a miracle you brought about. Certainly wasn't a man. It is all you, the Master. And we give to you the glory and the honor for it all. Thank you for loving us and thank you, Father, for allowing us the privilege to impact our community and to do our part to reach the world with the gospel. Help us, Father, to do even more on your behalf. We know that you're with us always. So, Lord, may we allow you, Father, to have your will and way in our life. And, Lord, when we do fall or falter, when we do fail, in essence, Lord, help us not to believe the lie of the devil that our days are done. Help us just to get back up and keep going for you. Lord, we love you now. We desperately need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed.